son's door two days earlier. This brutal killing took place while the family was gathered at home on a Sunday afternoon. Don't touch that dial now. We're just getting started. What are we going to do? I'm Chad Grubbins. I'm JJR Teammates. And I'm Amy Kinney. And today we're going to be talking about two games uh, for the first time. <gasps> I know, right? Uh, we're going to be talking about Resident Evil 7's trailer. Teaser. Teaser trailer. Not a trailer. You don't Demo. watch it. You play it. Demo. Experience. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil 7 teaser. Resident Evil 7 colon biohazard <laughs> teaser colon beginning hour. Uh, and also PT. Um, and we're going to, as long as this is cool with everybody, because uh, we didn't discuss this beforehand, mm-hmm. uh, my intention is to start with Resident Evil. Okay. Uh, so yes. we're not going in chronological order. We're going in how interesting the games are. <laughs> so, uh, thank you, by the way, for establishing that the chronology of Resident Evil Seven is like distinctively after PT. Oh, they take place in the <laughs> like, same universe. In the same universe. <laughs> in the Norman Reedus universe. Yes. Wait, not in either. Well, he's. It's technically not in PT, actually. <laughs> Nothing's in PT anymore. Yeah. But we, do we have confirmed Reedus for RE7? No, not Aww. even a little bit. There's okay. no Reedus. Uh, <laughs> as far as you know. He doesn't but, exist. <laughs> the game, the, this demo was released in June of this year, 2016, in case you're listening to this in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fucking pretty cool, yeah. I guess. Which I feel uh, like for relevance because of what they're doing, we need to also set up what build of this that we played. True. This is the first update that they've put through. So I don't know the version number. Neither do I. But um, when this uh, initially released, uh, which was, I believe, during E3. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was just, I mean, it's not much more now. But the initial build... Uh, Involved, like, there's a lot of things, a lot of objects in the game, and a lot of people on the internet were trying to figure out what to do with all of them. And this update kind of confirms that what the objects do is still not actually in the game. It's just sort of like they're slowly rolling out additional things to do. Right. In this most recent update, they added a new ending where you can answer a phone call and the voice says... Something about like all doors lead somewhere. Right. If they didn't, they wouldn't be doors. doors, Which (laughs) is kind of a cheeky. Right. Which would seem to imply that like all the unopenable doors in the demo will eventually be made openable and have more content. Not to mention you have like an axe which can't be used to break anything other than boxes and a key that doesn't go anywhere. But we will probably get into that. The thing that I actually wanted to start with. is, uh, I guess, on a slightly more personal level here, because uh, both of these games, obviously, are, are horror demos. Welcome to October. Uh, yeah. That's what we're going to be Eww. doing. Uh, <laughs> and notably, I'm a huge fan of horror and horror games and movies, etc. And Andy shares this to a certain extent. Yes, not quite on the same level as Chad, but mm-hmm. I yeah. do enjoy I horror. can forgive a lot of really terrible things for just trying to be scary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like it to a fault. Where, JJ, you don't like it at all. Yeah, I feel like, because there's so many things that I don't like, <laughs> especially in so many of those things that have been recorded at the podcast, I feel the need to sort of draw a line here. Uh, I don't enjoy them. Uh, I super respect horror in general, uh, and as we will soon see, super respect sort of both of these games in different ways. 
but uh, it's just not something I'd ever do with my time. It's just not, it, I'm too much of a scaredy pants. I'd be yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's like, because I was at the, this, your hesitation, I guess, yeah. uh, when playing these games, sort of like, it, it really, it made me really curious. So like, I actually just last night did like some actual like psychology research oh, Jesus. as to like why people like horror mm-hmm. and really like the thing that uh that keep that kept coming up uh was that people view horror as like a challenge it makes them feel stronger when they like are scared by something and like make it through to the other side even though like Logically, they know there's no actual danger to them. Right. And so, I guess, I what I just don't understand is that, like, I don't know why I like horror that much, <laughs> but I really appreciate that these kind of things can exist, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. Like, I think I understand why you are not a fan of it. You don't prefer to like, like, you don't prefer to make yourself... Vulnerable, yeah. extremely vulnerable, <laughs> and not in a way that can be overcome or interacted with. Just the experience of vulnerability for the sake of feeling yeah. that. And my relationship with horror is that when I was a kid, horror was like super effective on me, and right. like I did not want anything to do with any scary movies. And like now, as an adult, they aren't very effective on me at all. So there's this kind of like feeling like I missed out on something. Like, now I find that, like, the idea of, like, being, like, truly scared by a piece of media to be, like, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, like, now I feel like I missed out on the opportunity to really experience it fully. So, like, I'm always kind of chasing, like, the scariest movie or game. <laughs> so it sounds yeah. like you're sort of the addict in this scenario. I mean, not quite. I mean, I probably made it sound a little more glamorous than it really is. But, like, I, don't, I just want, like, mo- like, I don't know, there's only, like, a very few scary movies that have really affected me. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I don't know, I just, on the other, when I come out the other side, I always look back on those experiences, like, fondly, I guess. Right. Like, I don't know, they make you feel, like, alive, I guess. <laughs> You know it's true. Mean? It's true. Technically speaking, and this comes from my research, uh, the like experience of being scared or like witnessing something that is macabre, yeah, releases uh, dopamine in your brain, which chemically speaking is like part of the brain's reward structure. So you are like action, like your brain actually rewards you for watching gross, disgusting things, and also being scared, which is. <laughs> Fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I actually, I, I have sort of a similar experience where when I was in, oh, God, like the sixth grade, I was like maybe 12 years old, uh, and you're trying to do the math to figure out how old you are in sixth grade. I that sounds right. I remember I saw uh, The Ring, and it, like, severely fucked my day. Like, I just mm-hmm. had no Like, I was just terrified. Wait. So then you saw the ring at like the beginning of the day, and the rest of the day actually, was fucked? yeah. Like I saw it in a car, wow, like on like one of those pull down DVD players. Wow, <laughs> that really speaks to the quality of the movie. It's a good, it's a good movie. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like all of this to say though that I believe that games, in as much as I like, we all believe that games are a medium that 
can like convey a story in the same way, if not better than movies can in some situations. I feel like horror games are really like the next echelon of horror. Like putting yourself because horror movies force you to put yourself into that position where you have to be empathetic toward the characters, but you don't have to make that leap with a game because you just are that person. Yeah, I I have to agree. Like because like I didn't have like I didn't watch horror films till at college really, right? Or late high school or whatever, and I never played horror games either. So, I remember playing Outlast for the first time, which is, like, the first, like, big horror game I ever played. And, like, just being really, like, taken aback of, like, how effective it was on me. Mm -hmm. Because, like, you really, I don't know, something about the setup of that game, it just makes you feel really helpless. Yeah. And those first couple of scares are, like, really, really great. Yeah, without, like, turning this into a podcast on horror games generally... Uh, Outlast is great because it does take, like, it takes basically everything that works really well in the cinema and puts it into a game. And so, while I don't think that Outlast is, like, an evolution on the genre, it is, like, the best of horror applied to games. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. Like, wherever they can. So that's, um, I don't know. Without anything else, we can get into the game proper. Yeah, yeah. And All right. (laughs) (laughs) so uh (laughs) uh, (laughs) resident evil 7 beginning hour opens with uh a scene that's just titled kitchen uh titled it's yeah like it comes up it says like the videotape oh the description of it it just says kitchen right and if i'm not mistaken uh i believe that this (laughs) this clip like, just the opening clip before you're given control of your character was released earlier with no indication as to what it applied to. Like, what it was actually an advertisement for. Uh, which is hilarious. Uh, because basically Capcom just, like, released a weird CG video of somebody being tied up in a kitchen. <laughs> it was like, you guys make of that what you would. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so this was... Originally shown at E3, uh, and pretty much immediately the alarm bells went off and everyone was like, oh, Capcom is making Silent Hills. <laughs> like, they're taking what PC was and making it a game. Uh, but because Beginning Hour was available, like, immediately, everyone was able to play it and see what the actual differences were. Mm-hmm. And it does play differently, but most notably it plays really differently than a Resident Evil game. Yeah. Uh... Not completely differently uh, than a Resident Evil game, and also not completely similar to PT. It's sort of a mm-hmm. strange middle ground between the two. Yeah, I think it has more in common with Outlast, as I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a kind of a combination between the two ideas. And not just because you like actually have a camera on you at one point. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I feel like it's also important to establish that even though the way this game has been received already and is going to be received in the future is sort of inevitably going to be tied to the legacy of PT. Yep. Uh, the game in its inception was not that. The game is not entirely a response to PT. The development of the game predates PT's like public existence as a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Capcom in general, based on a couple of quotes that I found from different sources, are extremely happy that Silent Hills is not going to exist. <laughs> oh um, yeah, there's no yeah. way that they're it, like... 
it's just like, that. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's just like a general like consumer though. It really seems like oh, yeah. Yeah. this game exists because of PT. The timing mm. is just horrible. Yeah. Even still, do, with not do existing. Do you think it influenced the development of the game? Because like it is seems. Like, because I said, it seems so derivative. Right. Yeah. yeah well, we're speaking now having a, a ga- an actual gameplay trailer. Yeah, because, like, how long in between, like, PT and this demo uh, was there? I, see, you count me for not looking up the information on both games. It feels like <laughs> it was, like, a year and a half, maybe. Yeah, it was, I believe PT came out in 2014. Like in terms of specific features, that's the only like specific confirmation that I can remember after the things that I looked up is that this game was a first-person game before Capcom knew about Silent Hills. I believe mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but that's and it, it, it just I think that like the coincidence of that. Yeah, albeit not really massive when it comes to video games, you really you have two options in a 3D game. Yeah. There's no second person game where you like watch a guy do something. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh, I can think of one. I can think of one. Wasn't there uh, in the PlayStation 2, wasn't there like a camera at some point and there was a game where you played as a guy uh, w- like watching video footage of a woman but it was entirely controlled through voice commands and I... you gave her commands through the voice. I have it... heard of this. I actually wrote it down because I thought... Chad and I should play it at some point. <laughs> it's hmm. terrible. Oh, is it? Maybe this is a different game with the same Maybe idea. thinking of Hey You Pikachu. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Hey but actually, that's still a first-person game if you're playing as the person talking to... If you were playing as the woman but viewing it through the eyes of the other person, well, then it would be a second-person Kind game. of, because you because the screen at all times is just the video footage of her that you, your character, is looking into... And the, the voice commands are supposed to be, in an ideal world, like, sort of one-to-one to what she does. Okay. So you'd be like, go back to the last room, and she'll go back to the last room. There's an X-Player review of this that exists. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull up the, dust off the X-Player review. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For confirmation. So, barring the incredibly rare possible second-person <laughs> game, you really only have two options uh, in terms of, like, perspective on a game. And... What's notable about this game being in first person um, is I'm just forcibly re-railing us here. <laughs> That's uh, a good idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, is that no other Resident Evil game, uh, there might have been like a weird rail shooter spinoff or something. Yeah, mainline Resident Evil. Evil games are always in third person. Yeah. And so this is unique in that. And, and it, it, I guess it kind of speaks more to how, as consumers, we are more likely to make that comparison because, despite the fact that it's not that weird to see a first-person game, right? to be like, it's just like PD. I mean, it has kind of been a trend in horror games to go Mm first-person. And if anything, during development, what they were really trying to respond to was that trend and Resident Evil 6 itself. Right, yeah. It would be a good idea to do anything to distance themselves from Resident <laughs> Evil 6. Didn't people hate Resident Evil 5 as well? People did. I'm a big defender of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Resident Evil 5 like has people that believe in it. No one believes in Resident Evil 6. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I okay. even own a copy of Resident Evil 6 and haven't played it out of principle. It's not out of principle because <laughs> I don't have time, but still. <laughs> you end up loving it. Yeah, I'll play it and be like, this is actually the best one. <laughs> Um, you had, like, lots of notes, you said. Oh, I do. 
Uh, and not all of them are in relation to, like, Capcom, quote, bricking it in response to the existence of Fiji's trailer. To quote, to quote from their UK senior marketing director. Uh, but, yeah, I, just, I was really excited to come through this. I, I loved the opportunity to sort of, like, compare and contrast these two games directly. We've established that this game is first person for, for very, like, deliberate reasons as a way to respond to how horror games sort of how horror games as a genre have sort of improved as within the eyes of the public Resident Evil as a brand has sort of like devolved further and further into its action elements. I was wondering since you seem to also think that that's really important like knowing that it's not just a PT ripoff why was the switch to first person necessary? I've got uh my, my responses to that are basically... I, I have two thoughts. One, I don't know if this is the case, and I don't want to like put this off as if to say like that it was shoehorned, yeah. but PlayStation VR is a thing, and yeah. the game is aware, was aware of it when it was being developed, and is going to be released on PlayStation VR, and a VR third-person game would be like the biggest mindfuck of all time, because <laughs> you would have no idea what the hell you were doing. Uh... <laughs> And it would actually be a second-person game. <laughs> uh, but um, the the other thing is uh, Amnesia The Dark Descent, right? Like, Amnesia was this game, this fucking, like, behemoth that just showed up. Nobody knew or cared, really, except for people who had played Penumbra. I think me and, like, 12 people in Britain. Yes. Uh... <laughs> uh that like that frictional games was even a thing, and then it became this huge YouTube sensation because people like watching people get scared, and this started this whole boom in horror games, and it also popularized the genre that I made up, that I refer to as haunted house games, which is basically where you just don't have any way to interact with the environment on like a on like an on demand level. You have no weapons or things. Yeah, you just walk and interact in set ways um, and the game just tries to build tension and release that tension in like its own rhythms and that has become such a popular thing and that is what PT is and that is what this game is that I and that's what Outlast is that I think that it just is it speaks to the larger trends in horror games to the point where like all of these indie games that can be cranked out at a much faster rate Finally, AAA games are actually starting to do this. Yeah. Like, I think Resident Evil uh, 7 will be the first AAA game from a major publisher to be this kind of haunted house walk-around horror game. And they're planting their flag in the sand, showing off all of their tech by making the setting, at least in this trailer, in the daytime, so you can see the unbelievably large number of small detailed objects and garbage strewn around your environment. Yep. Super gross. Yep. <laughs> is that raven in that microwave? Yeah. Is it a raven? I don't know. I it's don't know like a crow. It's some kind of a, a bird in the microwave. Yeah, one of yeah. those two things. Mm -hmm. I can't really identify microwaved birds unless they were like <laughs> deep feathered. Like, yeah, like a, like a rotisserie chicken. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, but I wouldn't even bet that I could like, if you just gave me the flesh of two different types of birds, I bet I could not identify. That's fair, yeah. Other than, like, size. I'm right. pretty sure only a bird first. expert <laughs> could do that. That's so. why I wanted to, you know... <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to claim 
<laughs> that I can be like, oh no, that's clearly a cardinal flesh, <laughs> when there was some other kind of flesh. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> so, my take on this, and I know less about Resident Evil than Chad does, mm-hmm. but um, I, I also have to think that the reception to 5 and 6 mm-hmm. weren't so great. Too bad. Um, In that order. <laughs> and Not great. You have to Terrible. think that they looked at the current trends in horror games. You know, you see Amnesia and Outlast. Those kinds of games are becoming really popular. Yep. And they had to have looked and been like, okay, last time people were really stoked on Resident Evil was 4, and that's when we made a big change to the formula. So, like, I think that was just like... Right place, right time. They're like, let's change it again. Mm. Let's move to this current trend. And let's, you know, just try to make a really great game and not try to do Resident Evil 4 again. Right. They're still trying to do Resident Evil, though. Yeah. Lots of tiny ways. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, Capcom is not known for being a horror developer. Like, that's because they are Capcom. They have dozens and dozens of properties. Resident Evil is just their horror property. And so... What Resident Evil was, and what Resident Evil is now, and what Resident Evil is going to be, are three completely different things. Yeah. Because the original Resident Evil games, all the way up through Code Veronica, and I honestly don't remember if that came out before or after Zero, but we're not going to split hairs. Those are things that I know. Yeah, are like, they are adventure isometric, well, fixed camera perspective horror games, yeah. and then it became an action game series, and now it's becoming this new thing. Yeah, in this sense, we sort of, like, missed one generation uh, by not sort of addressing, like, the post-4 era, in terms of, like, the chronology of the evolution of the series. We've talked about the first Resident Evil game, right? and then the, like, entered survival horror, which you could go back on a last costume reference, morphed into a thing that gave you enough control over your environment that you could sort of grapple with it, and then that became action out of control and now they're trying to tie it down but in like a completely different mechanics set yeah. as close the same goal of making you scared it's interesting that in that second the second era of resident evil games that like the one that is most frequently said to actually be scary is uh god what is that called the one with the eye the eyeball on the cover is it it the DS game? The DS game. And really? the reason is because you don't have very good control because you're using a handheld. Uh-huh. And so it kind of harks back to the old days of like not being able to just like gun a guy down with no issue. Uh, yeah, no gunning being done in Resident Evil 7. Not true. The gameplay trailer does include... The ammo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the teaser now has ammo in it. And the gameplay trailer shows you using a gun. Oh, I did not. I did not play trailer with guns. I'm a oh, little yeah. nervous about arrow. this. Maybe yeah. more nervous than I should be. See, yeah, I feel like, well, yeah, exactly what you just said there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's cause for alarm. I feel like if they're smart, mm-hmm. which who knows? Yeah, uh, who's pulling the strings <laughs> and telling them they have to do this and that? But um, it'll be a surprise I, reveal that yeah. Hideo Kojima is the one that's doing <laughs> yeah. it. But um. I really don't think they would release this playable trailer and be like, oh, the actual game's going to be totally different than right. this, where you're mowing down zombies in a wide-open street. 
Like, yeah. you spawn outside the house, then the camera pulls out, and you're in third person, and you're Chris Redfield with a machine gun. I would have to imagine that it would be more similar to the originals, where, like, you have a limited amount of ammo, mm-hmm. or, like, a hand axe that's really shitty to use against the zombies, and it's, like, about, like, resource management and only, like, attacking zombies, like, sparingly. Right. But... If they, like you said, really attempt to keep themselves faithful to this initial sort of like playable trailer, mm-hmm. uh, I think even that old style of like scary limited ammo conservation isn't going to be maintainable just because the number of enemies that you're going to be able to encounter has to be really, really small. Like when I went through that game, that demo, the thing that struck me was that I was essentially playing through a slasher movie. There was like one. There's one guy in the actual demo that's, like, your foe, and there's one other person in some of the, like, CGI footage that's threatening and kills someone. Right. So that means in the totality of this, like, may first may hour, the same person. We've, we've encountered one to two people, right? right? This right. is not a game where they're going to be able to use guns, like another Resident Evil game, as a way to remove problems, because assuming that they keep, they stay commensurate with the trailer... There's just not going to be that many problems. The right. problems are just supposed to be huge, insurmountable things that you're running from. Which is also why I found it odd when I learned just now that guns are a thing. Because you could use an axe for tons of environmental things. Mm. There are other uses for axe than a self-defense mechanism. And assuming you gave it those other uses, it could even make the times you tried to use it for self-defense more meaningful in like the full game. Because you can imagine a circumstance where you pick up this axe and you feel safe and confident and you slam through some boxes and you know get into the downstairs by hacking some wood away from the doors and you feel prepared. But then you figure out that the axe is useless. Mm-hmm. Like You can still maintain the illusion of that sort of like you're going to be killed by the slasher thing with the existence of that kind of weapons. But with a gun, that seems harder. <laughs> yeah. that's I, And I mean, not only that, but they show in the trailer, like the actual trailer, uh, they basically play a cutscene for you. And they show that these people, the, like the Baker family, who are the people who are, like, abducted you, uh, mm. are not, like, superhuman, or at least not outwardly superhuman. Because, yeah. like, a dude just, like, breaks a dude's arm, and he just is like, fuck. <laughs> and it's like, like it's not like he was like, like he just like took two fingers and snapped his arm off, like Superman. He's not like they don't have powers really. So the trailer is also playing up like the Baker family, as, yeah, like, the antagonist mm-hmm. force. Yeah, it's like a, a like a total Texas Chainsaw kind of situation. Well, that but like who knows how that ties into the whole game though. Right, right. Yeah, we just... know Umbrella's involved, which is already weird. Yeah. And we know that there is at least one zombie. Right, because it's not like <laughs> in the original or it's like a huge ass mansion. Right. There's like one regular size house. So like it, this To be fair, that mansion had a huge facility under it. So <laughs> yes. it could be like a shitty house with a state of the like, art. There has there has to be more to it. Like and I have to imagine that the demo is not even close to representative of, like, the antagonistic threat. Right. Like, I, I imagine that you won't just be up against one maybe, maybe not supernatural zombie guy the whole game. Okay. Like, if you introduce a whole family <laughs> and they have, like, maybe, maybe not 
supernatural ability is so like they're here now they're there right. now one's in the hall now he's not you know typical horror shit yeah you could probably do something really cool with that and fuck with the player right i just and have it be like oh it was an illusion you just shot at nothing i don't get the feeling they're gonna go that direction uh, this whole game i'm just spitballing and yeah. this this could just be me thinking it's more exaggerated in comparison to pt it didn't feel it was really grounded like, I just felt like, again, slasher movie. I was just yeah. in a shitty house, and a guy stabbed me with a sharp implement, and I died. <laughs> like, that was there... I heard reference, even though we didn't see it in our playthroughs, that there's, like, a ghost or something you can see? Does that exist? Uh, we'll look a, up on the, in, on the break. Okay. Because well, yeah. I don't know. As, yeah, as far as I know, like... I mean, unless... Somebody like did like they did a quarter a quarter circle turn on the top stair and then swung the axe three times and <laughs> liquefied a Dreamcast and poured it into the uh, memory card slot mm-hmm. and then a ghost appeared like other like as far as like anyone just playing this game would notice the only like suspicious non-human things that happen are like the doll that falls from the ceiling the mannequin that falls over. Actually, I noticed when we watched Dan play that that doll is hanging there. Oh, and it before just, like, you pick up, Yeah, before you pick up the bolt cutters. Okay. Well, Dan. Yeah. I just, in general, it felt like this game wasn't trying to be supernatural and was trying to establish itself where you have an enemy that can just wreck your shit at any time, and that's supposed to be the point mm-hmm. of tension. Maybe it's my preferences in horror, mm-hmm. and I was just seeing what I wanted to see. But, like, I got, like, this very vague underlying like sense that like something supernatural might be happening here Resident Evil generally speaking is like likes to run the like horror line where it's you know it's like a horror game where everything is it is supernatural but they explain it with science right so like there's probably they probably have just like some version of the T-virus or something. Right, because, like, what's his name? Um, Andre, right? Mm, the guy right. who's... I don't know, like is a he the producer or, or the producer? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever, he's there in the house, and he just, like, wanders off, and then he's, like, Blair Witch in, it, in the basement. Like, yeah. So, like, that seems like there's some kind of supernatural influence. But he was, like, on a hook. Wasn't yeah, it? but, like, he it was... was like a pipe <laughs> No. It was see, like he was being like on a gerbil feeder for people. One, I guess maybe once again it's me seeing what I want to see. But like it seems like something like one ringed him, like called him and he just wandered off. Right. I don't... I, I agree that the ambiguity is supposed to be ambiguous because you want that ambiguity see, to yeah. exist in horror settings in the first right. place. Right, so the question is or whether or not they're going somewhere with that. Yeah. Or if they're just using it as a trope. As a thing to try and scare yeah. you. Yeah. It's the, amb- the same ambiguity. Mm-hmm. So. So. It's up either, in the air. I mean, either way, it, like, is effective in terms of, like, how it does startle you and, like, not, oh. yeah. It's it's definitely unnerving. Uh, I'm just saying it, it creates this really hard situation for them, assuming the player character eventually gets a gun in the inventory slot. Right. Where if the gun has any purpose it's probably not going to be like for like a puzzle piece in the same way you could use an axe or bolt cutters yeah. because like guns don't have like unique like you can't shoot off a lock probably you can totally shoot off a lock what 
Well, I mean, busters. not in real life. Okay, That's yes. what I meant, which they're okay. trying to be grounded. Oh, yeah. Then you can't use it as a, like a solution to puzzles. It just has to be a killing implement. Mm-hmm. But, well, I mean, it is a video game. I know. They could just be like, fuck it, you can shoot locks. <laughs> <laughs> all, I'm saying, all I'm saying is that if they keep it, if they try and treat the gun as if it's not a thing designed to you know solve puzzles like the, bo- the bolt cutters or the axe couldn't solve, right. it's just a killing implement, but you also are attempting to have like human-like enemies, part of one family, and there are like maybe around thirty of them. Right. If it's like a full family, then you can't allow the player to have the freedom to just like gun down Hillbilly McKill's dude. <laughs> that would like that you can't have the correct pacing and you can't build up but anything appropriately. How many bullets, for example, in the current build of the game can you get? Like four? I, I think it's like two. I think you pick up two boxes that have one bullet each. Yeah, okay. like that's what I was thinking. Like this is getting into like the nitty gritty of the game design. Yeah. yeah. But like if they really limited the amount of ammo you had or like made it so your gun can just break like it's an old rusty ass gun. Sure. Like I think they could control it enough to keep what they're like the intent of the demo intact. So yeah. like imagine the circumstance I have a gun and there it's, are actual unlike you have what exists two bullets. Yeah. And unlike what exists currently and in the game. Thirty people. <laughs> but the thirty aren't rushing you, right? Most of yeah. the time. You what can you're pull scared like of is a, the one dude. You don't know. That's the thing. I, I don't know. I know. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. Okay. if this is representative, there's lots of weird problems by, yes. by putting guns in. If you played through oh, this no, trailer with a gun, it would cause lots of problems. It would, yes. It would relieve almost all the tension. Yeah. Assuming your gun did anything. And it should do something if the game's trying to be grounded. Right. right. But, I mean, if you had an empty gun, that almost <laughs> would add to the tension. Yeah. True. Of you trying to find ammo and not being able to. That that's actually a good use. You could you could get a cool circumstance in which you're scrabbling around for a bullet for your gun that would be cool and use it less like a thing that you actually have to shoot and more like part of a scripted sequence. It's like the way that the rocket launcher is in Resident Evil Four. You had yeah. something you have in your back pocket if shit goes down. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, that's. So that whole long discussion about the use of guns is one of the things that makes me uncomfortable about the influence of the past games and the present design. I can totally see that. Well, and that's just that's just AAA game design. We know that if Silent Hills came out (laughs) and they had a gun, (laughs) it would likely be third person, and you would likely have a gun, and you would likely be shooting things because that's what Silent Hill has traditionally been, and they have Norman Reedus's fucking mocap model, so obviously they're going to put it in third person of course they didn't spend that money for nothing. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, that raises... We'll talk about that when we talk about PT. Yeah. Talking more about Seven, though, mm-hmm. the other thing that made me sort of, eh, about the directions <laughs> after the update... Uh, yeah. Is the existence of the photograph of the umbrella? Oh, that's actually about? been in there since. Yeah, the that was in there originally. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, but like I don't see, I don't see what that helps. Well, like, the the I think if you flip, it's an Easter egg. Yeah, well, it's not really. No, I think it's supposed to the picture itself inform you on the plot in some way. Yeah, the, because but, but like the thing that it is though is it's a picture of a helicopter with. Umbrella's logo on it, but then I forget if it's like written on the back or if it's what they say when you pick up the phone in the original build. Is that like they're watching us, and it's the the bakers, the family of cannibals, are not 
aware, like, don't, they're not, like, in cahoots with Wesker. Yeah. Like, one of them is not just gonna, like, put on a pair of sunglasses and do three backflips <laughs> and be like, I've been here the whole time. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be, like, a situation where, like, Umbrella has in some way, like, poisoned them or, like, done some kind something of genetically to them. Yeah. Wrong. And I just... I don't yeah, see I think how that helps. It, I think it's supposed to... It's a Resident Evil game. They have to make it Resident Evil-y. Do they? No, we but they a, will. But <laughs> we like, had a video game where they took the name of Prey, and they just made a game in any way related to Prey. Because like, I thought the word Prey it sounded cool as a title for their video game. See, if, I think it's more justifiable <laughs> than that. Because, I mean, it is, it is a main series Resident Evil game. Mm. And I don't think it feels like... like even as bad, like what you're describing, like the new God of War game, which is like completely different than God of War, but it's called God of War, mm. and Kratos is in it yeah. to sell the game. Yeah. Right. Uh, like, this game feels like the Resident Evil team was like, let's change the style, but still make like a Resident Evil game. Yeah. I think the thing that you're hung up on, and I don't want to like make it sound as though I'm like berating you for this, yeah. because it's not in any way your fault. Uh, it's like as somebody who's played just a shit ton of horror games, the plot of a horror game, while not not like not important, is less important than the moment to moment stories that happen. So, if you look at like Amnesia, the like like the plot of that game is you don't know who you are, you find out who you are, and you stop a guy from destroying the world. Mm-hmm. There are nuances, and there like there's environmental storytelling, but that stuff just aids in like your immersion from room to room. Right. And so if the game follows in those footsteps and the footsteps that were put down by this trailer, this teaser, then honestly, them just having like a Deus Ex umbrella show up and be like, this is why there were zombies, I'd pretty much be satisfied with that. Like, if it was just scary, and you are at any moment afraid of a zombie, or afraid of a cannibal, or afraid of a refrigerator full of disgusting man meat, then whatever their overarching plot to somehow tie it into Raccoon City is whatever. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Also, it's just a trailer. Mm -hmm. Like, it's totally possible they put that in there with no kinds of clues or context for you to understand it. It'd just be like, here's whetting your appetite for the game. Like misdirection or Miss, something. Yeah, like, you know, just like tying it in. It's like, I I said it was an Easter egg and you disagreed with me, but like, I think for the purposes of the trailer, mm. it's an Easter egg to tie it into Resident Evil. I think I completely agree with everything both of you have said. In fact, <laughs> it's the... What you said specifically, Chad, is part of my argument for why I don't think the tie-in is necessary. Mm. I would agree that technically it's not necessary. There's nothing that we've seen so far, at least as far as I'm aware, that needs to be explained by uh, the virus of a pharmaceutical company. Like, the overarching narrative of the trailer that we played is three guys walk into a house and get murdered by a crazy guy who lives in the house. You don't need to appeal to... Things. You don't even need to tie this into Raccoon City for it to be 
you know, a, a good reason for it to be a horror game. It's only here because so they because they feel obligated, like they need some way to say that it's a Resident Evil game, despite it being a triple A AAA horror game. Right. I think that's okay. Um, you're right. You're totally right. <laughs> but this is a triple A franchise, so people are the people at the studio are going to be like, it's a Resident Evil game, so it has to have Umbrella in it. Like, that's the way it is. Well, it's yeah. like, they wouldn't... Well, okay, this isn't true anymore. Yeah. But this is, like, the go-to example. Like, they wouldn't make a Zelda game where Link didn't have the tunic and hat. Yeah. But they just did make that. <laughs> so, I can't use that anymore. And I already brought up Prey. True. But, like... But, I mean, but Prey doesn't have, like... Sure, the sure. They, <laughs> they were like, we're making a Resident Evil game. It has to have XYZ. And that's the way it is. I don't... Like Even that you're totally right. They yeah. don't need those things, but yeah. they're gonna have those. The things. unfortunate thing is that like, the words Resident Evil are what are going to sell this game to people, and yes. so that like for the most part, I mean there are obviously people who are gonna be excited about it for other reasons, but that's yeah, like, like me. Not right. to not I was not a Resident Evil fan, yeah, and am. Basically, it's like a newly converted one. <laughs> uh, and I played that teaser and was excited about it. Yeah. And not to beat the horse too far, but since you, Chad, are already invested in most things Resident Evil, like, would you have been sad if there was just no Wesker or no even no zombies? That's I mean, okay. One, no. And two, I feel like the majority of people also would agree on that point. That, like, the, a, a series doesn't necessarily have to keep all the same trappings. The I feel like if you got rid of the zombies, though. I feel like the series... <laughs> what's important well, it kind of did in four, but... The series need to keep, still there, like, really. roughly the same goal. There's zombies. That's what you need. You need... In order for things to keep a name, I don't think it's, like, lore connections that are the things that are going to be... It, we certainly agree that's not the most important, but even remotely important. I think what's important is that, like, if you call, uh, like, if you if you made a new Call of Duty, that not just only is in space, <laughs> is in space, not only just like wasn't a shooter. God, you find Call of Duty in space so intrinsically funny. It really so is unbelievable because it's like. 80s movies where they were like the fourth one is in space <laughs> <laughs> but the goal's the same right yes you're still a crazy empowered shooting guy uh, killing all your foes it's like if you would have called Bloodborne Dark Souls 2 <sighs> and it was exactly the same um Okay. Kind of. This right. is this is weird. The, the I think the whole thing honestly is so because you're right. Like a, a series does not need that in order to maintain its like integrity. And beyond that, it's more important to put out a good product than it is to put out something that conforms to the ideas of what your series put forth. Sure. However, when you have a series that large, when you have a company as big as Capcom, what happens is that these things get focus grouped, they get overproduced, they get put into a boardroom and people talk about it. And they say, I don't know, I don't like that you didn't include Umbrella. So they put an Umbrella logo yeah. on a helicopter. I, I don't think it's going to overall like completely destroy the quality of the game. I just think it's going to be like a weird vestigial like biohazard thing. That gets put into the game just because. Yeah, I think yeah, that's the bottom line. Like as much as we don't like it, yeah. Like this franchise is big enough, 
and they care enough about how it affects their company that they're going to be like connect the dots yeah like they have a checklist by the numbers of that yeah going to need to they have to go in like okay if it doesn't have umbrella it's not resident <laughs> evil <laughs> and if and if they're good about it which like is impossible to tell because it's capcom and they're like one of the largest developer like both the development and publishing houses in the whole business it's like uh resident evil 4 was really good i trust those people Resident right. Evil 6 was really bad. I don't trust those people. They're fired. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you can't just say, like, it'll be good because Capcom's behind it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that'll be good because Japan is being made in Japan. <laughs> like, it's not, they don't, it doesn't make sense to, to generalize. Yeah. It's too many they, people. It's like, yeah. they, they try to, like, formulize it. Like, mm. They try to be like, we'll get the people who made the good thing before. Right. And then we'll try to replicate some of those good things. Yeah. And hopefully the game will be good. All right, I'll stop flicking the vestigial. Because like, like <laughs> I do agree with you. It would be great to see more franchise, like big franchises, do different things. Mm. But like, these things happen. Yeah. Like it's just the nature of corporate yes. life. Yes, <laughs> life. Corporate life. Da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. To uh. I don't talk about like the tra- like the actual teaser that we sat down to talk about. Yeah. Instead of Resident Evil Seven, the game. <laughs> uh, like I mean I don't know. We did touch on a lot of things. Like the yeah. game is it's it's slow paced. You walk around. One thing that I did want to bring up is because we shit on the axe a lot and how it is useless. Oh, oh no, no! I didn't shit on it. It's a complete misrepresentation. The axe was in fact my example of the good alternative to the gun. That's true. That, I feel like the axe is a big red herring right, right. now, or like. Not maybe not maybe not a red herring, but like a big question mark. Right. Because like, do they intend us to use that for combat or anything? Is that like, <laughs> it, yeah, or anything? Yeah. Exactly. It's like, you don't like. It's hard to see how like what how that's representative of the final product. Mm. Like it just kind of raises more questions because you can't use it on anything, so right. you don't know how it'll work in the actual game. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I, well, that's the thing, is I hope that it works similarly to how it does, because my whole point was that the axe is probably the most, like, satisfying thing in the world to use. <laughs> probably. You, you swing it, and you, like, really feel that, like, power behind it, and it, like, impacts a wall, and you have to, like, kind of twist and pull it out. Oh, my God. Is, if that kind of thing was in every game, I would be fine with it. I know. It is a great attention to detail. Like, you, I don't know how... I, I, I could, you could probably break down the science of how they got it to feel that way, but like it really feels like your character just swung an axe as hard as they could. Yeah, it's and it just buried like three inches into a piece of wood, and then they ripped it out. I know. <laughs> Uh, why it feels good in this case probably has a lot to do with like because like it doesn't, sound to get it doesn't like out. rumble yeah. or anything but it like you really feel when the axe hits the wood mm-hmm. you can I can at least point out what ways that I think like, it is the it sound is better it's really good sound it's really good collision yes. like yeah the collision was what I was going to bring up yeah. is that we're very used to as people who play does video camera, games does the camera move a little bit like when yeah. you hit it like just the stopping it ducks yeah, a little, yeah it ducks a little. Is a great simulation of what you as a, your head does when you hit an axe. <laughs> yeah, Capcom just needs to release like a lumberjack, kind uh, of like woodcutting simulator, <laughs> 2017, where you just chop wood with the axe. Resident Evil Seven. Yeah. Like now that things can actually hit other things like constantly, and you don't have to. I, I don't know a good way to describe this feeling, but like 
in like the PS2 and even into like the PS3 era of video games, because we weren't quite there at collision detection yet, you would always have, you know, pieces of your geometry necessarily having to sort of go through other pieces of geometry mm -hmm. in order for it to feel smooth. But your character still moved independently. So it's sort of like playing Reinhardt in Overwatch. Right. Where, like, you as a being are just, like, a turret that's moving around and you're swinging, like, a death zone in front of you where yeah. animation sort of fluidly plays and is affected by nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, if Reinhardt in Overwatch played, like, the X in Resident Evil 7... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, it would just be... It would be terrible. It would yeah. be the worst thing to do because what feels good in that game is, like, smashing a dude to death. <laughs> with a big hammer with a rocket on it. Yeah. And in Resident Evil, what feels good is hitting an axe into a piece of wood. Yeah. So you don't want your giant rocket hammer to get stuck on walls. Yeah, that should feel unstoppable. Yeah, but you totally want your hand axe to stick yeah. into a wall and it's, have to pull it out. Yeah. It's They have that commitment to the realism. Right. Which really impacted the... Which, I mean, this game looks hella good. Too. It does look great. It does, yeah. Um... But yeah, it impacted the design of everything, including yeah. how you swing your axe <laughs> and how it hits things. How it's animated. Yeah. Yes. It's great. We've mentioned the realism a couple of times. A, and sort of how it, at a different point it gets ambiguous uh, in comparison to whether this is like vaguely spiritual or whether this is just something right. that's supposed to be kind of scary. Like, there were two things. I feel like the game being this grounded often sort of invites uh, criticism not really uh, that was the wrong word like nitpicking yeah it like invites nitpicking That's in ways I mean. where being ambiguous and strange would but leave you open to not being see, it I agree but like once again this is like an hour long teaser sure like I feel like you you purposefully don't get the whole picture here I know so like I agree that like people are gonna nitpick it and it's totally justifiable but like I think mm -hmm. you have to keep that in mind what I was referencing in this specifically are things like, um, and you know the answer to this, the guy that you're playing in the RE7 te teaser. Clancy? Is it, Clancy. Is it implied Clancy. that Clancy has like a head-mounted flashlight and video camera? It's we, not. It, but the only, like... It, I uh, think what you're supposed to think is that he's got like a shoulder-mounted, like, TV camera. Right. Except both of his hands are in frame all the time. Okay. Are they? When you're, not when literally you're, all the time, on. but often not. Real quick, though, the there's one point of, of disconnect here, and yeah. I think only one. Because when you're playing the game regularly, you don't have a camera. You're just a guy walking around. But when you put the videotape in, you're seeing something that you filmed, and the issue comes when you go down that ladder. Because you couldn't have been carrying a camera at head level and use both hands to climb down a ladder. I know, but the problem's consistent. There are more times than just the ladder. Like, when uh, the first video that plays when you start the game, where you're tied to the chair and the guy gets up and starts Oh, sawing. you actually, like, pull both yeah. of your hands up. And, and in fact, the, even though the, the scene opens with, like, as if this is a video being played back to you, uh -huh. you are staring at a camera when you start, and your hands are tied together in front of you. Maybe, twist, Clancy is a camera, and you're looking at a mirror. <laughs> well, I'll... <laughs> well, you crack the code. Yeah, I figured it out. Uh, he could also have like a GoPro. 
That's what I'm talking about. There could be multiple cameras. Yeah. And the GoPro has a light. Because also, when you when you first get player control, that, that you even, stand up with both your hands on the ground, you push up, and you have like a flashlight effect in yeah. the darkness. That even would kind of seem to make some kind of sense. Because if you told me that when they film Ghost Adventures, <laughs> the cameramen also wear GoPros in case X happens. Yeah. Like, and they need both their hands. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just... It, that, that makes sense, but, like, it almost seems like why even have a cameraman if they're just going to walk around? Like, is a cameraman in a world where GoPros are used to film a TV show just, like, well, no, a I, guy no, who can keep his head steady? I'm not, I'm not saying they use the GoPros to film the show. It's, like they, he it's for, like, it's for like supplemental yeah. footage. It's for extra footage. Yeah, it's for extraterrestrial footage. Only GoPros can capture aliens <laughs> on film. Um... But no, like it's to fill in blanks. It's like for if something happens, but the cameraman was looking at it, they still have it have captured. It, gotcha. Yeah. Like you know that kind of thing. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about, where being realistic invites criticism invites like that. nitpicking. Yeah, because yes. if you were talking about PT, none of this would come up. But we had to go through <laughs> like a eight minute conversation See, to what, determine this, how the thing we're seeing is being seen. This right. is a problem of found footage in general. Yeah. Because you always have to, like, the cameraman has to be explained, and it's like, there has to be some kind of contrivance as to why the person has a camera, in this case, they're on a TV show. Which yeah. makes sense. Right. And then you have to explain, like, physically, how does it work, and make it seem, like, to the audience at least, believable enough that right. they're not going to ask and about it. Personally, I really like found footage, mm-hmm. and I I can't believe no other game, well, I guess Outlast did it. Yeah. But, like... It just seems really genius in this game, the yeah. way that it's like set up and then revealed. Right, and Alice actually does it as a handy cam, and you only have use of your left hand. And it, and it makes it yeah. into yeah. a mechanic. Yeah, if you have to like climb a ladder, you put the camera away and yep. climb the ladder. So, that's... and like you have to find batteries mm-hmm. to recharge it and shit. Very good. Uh, is there anything else about Resident Evil Seven that won't come up as part of a discussion on PT? Nope. I, the rest of my RE7 talks are all PT commentary. Cool. Like comparisons. I was going to say, yeah, pretty much anything else I have to say is comparisons. Right. To the next game! Well, yeah, so I guess. Hold your horses. You just get right into it. That's cool. <laughs> I was going to say, the cool thing about Resident Evil 7 is that, like, uh, like unlike PT, you can go fucking download and play it right now. Yeah. Yes. And it'll take, like, an hour of your time. It's also got multiple endings. Yeah, so you can play through it multiple times. Which is I would recommend playing through it multiple. It's something we didn't even talk about. It's specifically designed for you to play it at least twice. Yeah, but like in addition to that, like the game has like weird divergent things where it's like if you do a thing while in the flashback, it affects like the present, but you can you can't take things back right from one so, to the other. For so. example, there's a drawer in the kitchen that is locked. But after you find the videotape and you put it in and you watch it, and when you're watching the tape, it's earlier where you're filming this TV show. And when you go through the kitchen then, you can find a lockpick and unlock the drawer. So then when you're back in the present, you can open the drawer and Mm -hmm. get what's inside. Yeah, you enter into an alternate 
universe where the drawer is unlocked and Berenstein is spelled Berenstain. Right. God damn it. I sort of just included that under more original Resident Evil legacy stuff because that, along with the like contextual prompts appearing on screen in general, right. just seem to be part of the like you are interacting with the environment and the environment is a puzzle. Right. Like, it's another way that you're having agency over the world around you, which is presumably going to be most of the mechanic set. It's been traditionally most of the mechanic set in a Resident Evil game. Right. So, yeah. It's a safe bet. Yep. Next game. <laughs> Butler! Oh. Bring me PT. <laughs> bring me a blade. Bring me a dual shock four and a bottle of champagne. Welcome to the family, son. Yeah. We'll be back from the break <laughs> to Circus Cast. Is, yeah, uh, where we talk about Andy Circus. Who's that? Uh, Gollum. Yeah. Oh, he's good. <laughs> uh, and by that, I mean we talk about PT. Oh, all right. That's so, all right. Oh God, you know what I didn't do? Look at the, the information, information on it. <laughs> We get to have we forget to do this twice. Classic chat. <laughs> in one episode. <clears throat> so, welcome back <clears throat> to No Clip. I'm still Chad Rutherman. And uh, for our second half, we're going to be talking about PT. And the reason that I had to look up the information for this, other than knowing that it was released in 2014, um, is that technically speaking, this game was developed by Konami. Yeah. Uh, however, like the game puts itself out there as if it has been developed by 7780 Studios. Or 7780s, actually. There's an S at the end. Um, which is... I mean, I don't want to say it's like a fake development company, but it's like a made-up name that they did t- to add contrivance to this game. Um, it was directed by uh, Hideo Kojima, famously, of the Metal Gear Solid franchise. So, this game is, for all intents and purposes, a teaser for what was going to be an upcoming Silent Hill sequel, uh, entitled Silent Hills. And now we all know that that game has been thrown in the trash can. Uh, (laughs) But it was arguably the game that I have been the most excited for literally ever. Like, it's Hideo Kojima... And Guillermo del Toro. And Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> and it's a horror game in the Silent Hill franchise, and this tr- teaser is, like, the most mind-blowing thing I've ever experienced. It's the reason you bought a PS4. It is literally yeah. that. For a demo. Yeah. And yeah. to anyone who doesn't know, it was released as PT because they wanted the fact that it was a teaser for Silent Hills to be a secret, mm-hmm. and that they wanted people to find out by playing the teaser. Right. Which is why they had the fake name, etc. Yeah. So if you didn't know offhand that uh, Konami had anything to do with it, and the way this game opens, and it don't like this is where I like lack the experience. Yeah. Um, because I really wish that I had been able to be part of that like first adopters group. Yeah. Because playing this, I knew what it was. But had I not known, I can only imagine what my like thought process on this would be, because it opens up and it should like thir- the uh, seventy thirty 
I forget the numbers that they say. Either way, the guy on the radio. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, it opens up with that, like, logo, and it's, like, on a background of some trees, and there's, like, a, a, a gravestone that says PT. Yeah, like, really, like, generic. Like, somebody went outside and took a picture, and they used that. Yeah, as their logo. Yeah. And, and this kind of thing that you're, like, almost trained to just, like, ignore. Yeah. And then the game goes to black, and some text pops up on the screen, and then you wake up in a room, and there's a Siamese cockroach in front of you, and... You, like, stand up and walk through a door into, like, literally the most well-realized actual hallway. Yes, it is one of the best renderings of a hallway that's ever been produced. I've seen photographs of hallways that I found less believable (laughs) than the hallway in this game. (laughs) It is outstanding how well this game was textured. Like, it just looks so crisp. And not knowing what the game was, I would be, like, it would just be so completely confounding at that point. Yeah. Because you just, you have this, like, cryptic speech about the gap in the, yeah, the gap in the doorway is something. No dimension. Yeah, it's like, yeah. And you're like, I'm pretty sure the only me is me. I guess. (laughs) Game. (laughs) And so you proceed to the end of the hallway, you go through the door, and you find yourself at the beginning of the hallway. So that is the core literal and physical gameplay loop of this game. (laughs) Yeah, you just go through that same hallway many a time. And to slow this down, I want to really point out how incredibly important both of those hallway entry moments are, the first two. Mm -hmm. The first... Being finally, we are in like a well lit room. It isn't just like sort of the blackness that shows you how gorgeous everything is, which makes you immediately respect the game and take everything that it's doing so much more seriously than mm-hmm. any other game with any other comparable art style or sense of accomplishment. So it puts you in a mindset like that's very impressed and very serious. And then after that, after you've gone through the hallway and looked through all these normal things, and you're expecting this to continue. The loop begins. Right. And you, you have this expectation when you walk into something that is rendered like this. Like, I don't think that you have to be somebody who understands the way that video games are made in order to take something that is this meticulously done seriously. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing that calls to you to, like, examine it and, like, really understand why this happened. You go around, you look at the pictures on the wall, you look at the clock... It's, it telegraphs that it's intentionally 23.59. It's one minute before midnight. You see there's a plant and, like, a thing. There's shit all over the floors. There's, like, pictures of people, and it's, like, the same people repeated. You can right. tell that it's, like, a family house. And then you go through the door expecting a new area only to be put back at the beginning of it. And that's, like, the first extremely jarring moment. Yep. Because it looks like it's a triple A game, mm-hmm. and f- what you would expect from a triple A game is like a big, impressive in scope environment. Right. Yeah. And well, it subverts your expectations. Yeah. It, it's impressive just in its like, in its concept. Yes. And in my case, like 
the fact that the the first that they give you the time to have just have the first repeat, mm-hmm. and as far as I'm aware, there aren't any significant changes after in repeat one. It, that is the moment where I think they're expecting the players to be able to actually start looking at all the tiny details of the hallway. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, you don't literally know it, but you're under the expectation now, like, okay, this is what I get. Yeah, this is, there has to be something here. Yeah. Like, to do. And that forces you to learn as tons and tons of different unique features of the hallway, which is also really important to the gameplay loop, because mm-hmm. you need to know everything about what's going on around you in order for both the horror and the gameplay of PT to be effective. Right. It's only such a goddamn tragedy that this game isn't on the store anymore. Because yes. it's like, this is something that I think just like, th- th- classes should be taught with this game as a centerpiece. Like, Unquestionably. It is yeah. like, th- this game is a dissertation on how to like mess with the player's expectations and just like understanding how to make somebody uncomfortable. Yeah, and ju- yeah, it just like a horror design course could be taught <laughs> just like, from this because like the the pacing, the 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 sound design, the all this all these little moving parts, all these little details. I was noticing when we were watching JJ play that go towards building the tension, and it's so like masterfully done. Yeah, yeah. and that's okay. Resident Evil Seven's trailer teaser yes was dark in that you get up into a room with no windows and it is physically hard to see yeah pt is dark <laughs> like you start the game you walk to the end of the hallway and the first thing that you are subjected to is a radio report about a father killing his family and that this was not the first time that it happened in the state, which presumably is a is some kind of setup for like what the plot of the Silent Hill game was going to be. But now that that doesn't exist, and that it's being taken by itself as like the basically the background of this trailer yeah. is so much worse. Like it feels so gross. Like, it worse, like, morally. Like, because <laughs> there's no, there just isn't any longer a, like, a, a larger, you have no hope for an explanation. Yeah. Right? Like, at no point is it going to be like, it was a Silent Hill game, therefore it was a dream, or like, this was like a purgatory thing. As far as you know in this game, this is a thing that happened, and you're basically reliving it over and over and over again. And it is... It just, it's so good in terms of game design, but it makes you feel just, like, disgusting from the moment you start the game. Because it, it's being reported to you by a reporter. It's, it's mm-hmm. a news report that's being given over the radio. So it's always described to you by the reporter, who will later become, I guess, technically a character? The I don't think it's the same guy. I think that it is your the radio is being, like, cut into okay. by, like, some other... But regardless, there was a cold, indifferent person who was describing a murder Mm -hmm. and the fact that the murder isn't abnormal in this setting. Right. And, yeah, and not only that, but as you proceed through the game, you start to kind of realize that you did it. It was was your character that was the Yeah, but can you be sure it was... Yeah, it was actually you. you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Or, I mean, at the very least, you were in the house that it happened yeah. in. Yeah. Because, yeah, of lots of yeah, reasons. Yeah, it's debatable, mm-hmm. for sure. Everything is debatable. Yes. And that's going to be something that I think we're going to have to maybe mention a couple of times, but keep having to stop ourselves. Because so much of the horror of this game relies on no explanations possibly existing, especially especially now that we're in the like post-PT world where we're not going to have Silent Hills and this is all that exists and right. all that we have is the way that the game makes us feel. It, it's constantly going to be assaulting us with things that don't have explanation and that we shouldn't look for explanations because if we found them, the game would be less scary. Yeah. There's, there's no T-virus anywhere <laughs> in PT. Yeah, you will not find the like photograph... Where you turn it over and it's like a picture of Pyramid Head. And you're like, oh, because it's a Silent Hill game. You gotta get him in there. Like, it's just, it is just PT. Yeah. And the fact that they wanted to hide the fact that it was a Silent Hills trailer probably plays into a lot of what gives it that sort of vibe. Yeah. And, oh man. For something that was created by Hideo Kojima, who is his biggest fan, like, yeah. dude loves himself. There are some Kojima elements to this, but it's like the only Kojima game that I've ever played where the Kojima-iness of it does not take center stage. Like, yes. the game, uh, you can actually really feel Del Toro's, like, influence. Yep. And I'm going to say that and somebody's going to be like, Del Toro didn't actually have anything to do with the trailer. But like, <laughs> <laughs> it, but like I mean, I feel as though... At least it's well imitated, yeah. at minimum. Yeah. yeah. There, it, he had to have had some kind of involvement with the production team. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the, just, like, the way that this whole thing is set up is just, like, the Kojima elements are all hidden away, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can feel, like, how good the team is at designing without feeling like it's overshadowed by some, like, weird fourth wall thing until the, like, the end, the mm-hmm. very end of the, of the trailer. So... Next loop. Well, well, I wanted to say just when we're while we're jerking the game off here. Yeah. <laughs> um, in addition to like it just being great at it understands horror and like building tension and all that stuff. I think this also is just a like phenomenal example of like less can be more in game design because like it's the one hallway in the amount that they manage to accomplish. With just that. In such is, a small space. Yeah, it's incredible. Because, mm. yeah, like, you could even make the argument, because, like, it's it's not just, like, a hallway where you have, like, it's not a square area that you're exploring. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a path. It yeah, is, it's like an L. Yeah, you have an L shape with one and a half deviations from it, yeah. basically. And that is all you're given to yeah. work with. And it doesn't feel that small mm. at all. And it's not just limited in terms of the scope of its environment. It's equally limited in its mechanic set. All you've got to do is move and zoom. Yeah. There's not even like a crouch. Yeah. You literally can just zoom and walk. <laughs> like, the entirety of PT's mechanic set is just the minimum of what it needs to accomplish its goal, which is you confronting horror. And in order for you to confront horror, all you've got to do is walk and look closer. So that's all they included. Mm-hmm. I feel like this game... You have to press X once. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very Kojima thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, I feel this game could do a lot for the future of horror 
and for the future of like walking simulators. Yeah. Yes. Because this is basically a walking simulator, but it does not feel like a walking simulator. Yeah, that's yeah. There's something that like it just it feels like more. There's so many games that function like a walking simulator that feel like they need to like jam mechanics into yeah, it. Yeah, like they feel like they're missing something. It's like, oh, have them interact with this. In order to solve a puzzle, they have to like pick up an object and take it somewhere and put it in a thing. Yeah. And it's like, that's not really... It, like, that isn't engaging in itself. Mechanics are not a substitute for like, a environmental storytelling, which is what a walking simulator should be focusing on. Or at the very least, delivering like a relaxed experience. Yeah. No Man's Sky is basically like the quintessential example of this, where it was like a game that would have functioned perfectly well as a walking simulator, and they somehow turned it into like a game where you have to manage your inventory and shoot at circles. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, I guess. Like, yeah. it's it's too much. And this game is just like, it has puzzles. It has, like, progression and has a story, but it tells it in one hallway... With one button, two buttons, <laughs> a pause screen. Yeah, there's a pause screen as well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just, uh, and it is, as we've alluded to several times, like actually just the scariest piece of media that I've ever taken in. All of us, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Like the first time I played this game, because I'm a genius at four in the morning, <laughs> uh, was just like. It was baffling. I had no idea what I was even... like, And I knew what it was, and I knew the concept of it, but I didn't know <laughs> how good it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, like, every single loop, like, I'd open that door, and I would just stand there mm -hmm. at, the, at the end of the hallway and be like... Phew. Like, I need to, like, wipe my the sweat off of my palms <laughs> and be like, okay. Yeah. That turn. Next hallway. And, like, before I'd even open the door... Because like I knew it was coming, or mm. I assumed it was coming, I would be like, "Oh man, I'm gonna open this door. I just think something's gonna be there." <laughs> like this game, like just f fucks with you on such like a base level mm. that like every moment is tense. And if you don't feel like it's going to be beyond the door, it's definitely gonna be around the corner. Yep. <laughs> right. That's or why the, the hallway is in an L, right. so you can see in front of you. You see your goal in your direction. You know there's only one fucking way you can go, but you don't know what's going to be there. Yeah. This is, like, the fundamental... This is, like, just because of the nature of this game and, like, what they were able to do, it solves the fundamental problem of horror in, like, the simplest way in that you... The scariest thing to anyone is the unknown. And that is, like, what people... That's people who tell you why horror is good will say this as, like, a mantra. <laughs> and... A lot of horror games, like the previously discussed Resident Evil 7, will make things dark so that you have to like actually inspect a thing or like, walk up to it to know what's happening. This game has, has well, <laughs> physio-spatially speaking, one door <laughs> uh, and a corner. And that just, it blocks off your view of your next eight seconds of game and that is enough. That's all it needs. Yeah, like, this game, you're, like, afraid to turn around. Yep. Yeah. Like, they, yeah, they've, they like, maximized every possible opportunity to, like, make you afraid of what you can't see. Mm -hmm. Look behind you. 
The radio guy is the best yeah. thing ever. I feel like now's the part where we need to get into discussion of how the, the established setting begins to warp, right? Because mm-hmm. we, we have the hallway. We know we're stuck there. We know things are starting to subtly change. Uh, and we know we're afraid of what those changes could be or mean. Mm-hmm. But like the specific choices that they made and the progression of things that change equally important. Yeah, they kick it off in pretty much the best way they possibly could, with you just walking toward the door, like you had done the past three times, yeah. and it just, like, slowly closes. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Now shit is getting real. Yeah. Like, we're past the tutorial of walking in a circle. Now the environment is beginning to act. Yeah, the like environment it... is becoming openly hostile toward you. <laughs> Very carefully, very deliberately hostile. Yeah, and it's like a couple of loops. It like builds up your, t- like your curiosity, and it builds up tension to what's in the bathroom, yeah. or the yeah. the one door. Yeah. you don't know it's a bathroom yet. Yeah, because it's locked, but like you get like one, it like shakes, yeah. and there's noises coming from mm-hmm. it. Yeah, interestingly, the the front door I don't believe will shake if you walk up to it. In fact, they they, they almost do nothing to draw attention to the front door. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting in and of itself as a choice. They draw attention to that location uh, a couple of times when it's important, but that is, but like the door itself is never right. like brought into question. Not like the bathroom door. No, not like the bathroom, <laughs> which is constantly brought into question. <laughs> yeah, it has. Yeah, just that great pacing of like building it up over a couple of loops before mm. you go in. And then when you do. Well, you don't actually go in the first time. Yeah, I, this is where I'm going to That's what I'm help, talking about, like building up the tension. After the yeah, first yeah. few, I forget the order in which often these sequences begin to happen. Right. So the first, like, quote, puzzle, the, like, if we're just going to take the game, like, step by step. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that you do is you just go, you walk straight through it. Then the second time you walk straight through it again. The third time the door is locked. So you go up, you can't do it. And in order to trigger it to not be locked, you just have to walk back around the corner and then turn around and go back. Pretty much everyone I've seen play this game, which is a lot of people, I've shown this game to as many people as I physically can. Uh, in fact, you completing it yesterday was actually your second time yep. because I insisted on showing it to you at like, the moment that I got a PS4. Um, <laughs> But uh, most people I've seen actually just try and go back out the first door and, like, are like, oh, I can't do that. And then turn around and they're like, why can't I go through it again? <laughs> so I don't really know, like, what their intention was other than to get you to, like, realize that if that door is closed that you need to turn around. But, like, there's only two places to be, so I don't know why that was necessary. Mm-hmm. But the third time the door shuts and the bathroom door creaks open. And this is, like... It's weird because th- at this point you have to figure out that you have to like zoom on things to trigger certain things. Yep. Uh, because when you look at the doorknob from the outside in something shows up and closes the door yeah. and then the door unlocks. So it's like the first in a line of not, not a long line but like in a succession of jump scares that this game does do. Uh, Am I correct in my belief that none of the controls are explicitly tutorialized? It's when the games, like a lot of games do, a lot of horror games, it starts with a brightness thing, and the brightness 
screen is the option screen, which also contains the controls. Okay. Okay. So, so you you know when you're starting the game, if you read that, you can do a zoom thing. You can zoom. Yeah. Okay. That's important. So, yeah. So you you look in the bathroom and realize there's something in the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, but the door unlocks, and so obviously you're not sticking around to find out what the fuck that was. Yep. You bolt straight through. So. Now they've established not just that the house is a thing that acts on its own, but that there is something else there. Yeah, there's something in the hallway with you, essentially. Yeah. And that becomes increasingly clear because the next time you go through the hallway uh, and the door is open to the bathroom, uh, there is just fucking a horror baby, a fetus in the sink. Being gross and screaming. <laughs> and it's like alien. Like it's got a weird head. It has like a distended head. And I'm yeah. sure that that is in some way like a, that's a medical thing. Like I think that their implication because it's Kojima and because it's uh, Silent Hill that it is not like that it is some kind of like space Neptunian baby. <laughs> right, I'm not I'm not implying that it's actually right. no. extraterrestrial. It's an actually horrible thing in the same way that a Siamese cockroach is an, is actual, an actual horrible, horrible thing. thing. Yes. I mean, a Siamese cockroach is probably totally satisfied with its life walking around, whereas this is likely like a miscarried child. In fact, it is because the radio report states yeah. that... The radio will be playing the whole time all this is going on. Yeah, so you were hearing this... Over and, and over and it over like again. it at least it did for me like it just all slowly sank in mm-hmm. like I'm sure some people just listened to it on the first on the first like, oh, go through on? no yeah. I was like that as well but yeah like, like I it, walked through it a I think that's times. the intent is that it'll like slowly dawn on you yeah, yeah. and so uh, this is presumably the unborn child of the wife that you or somebody in this house killed uh, wailing in a sink in a bathroom, which is also where the daughter was killed. Yeah. Um, so, I guess as that sinks in at this point... Sinks in? It, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you then... Had, like, the, your, the door starts being assaulted by some outside force, and you need to, like, push through it by looking at it in a mirror. PT. Uh, yeah, it, it was, it's assumed, because they want you to feel assaulted... So they're going to, when you're assaulted and you realize you can't leave through the door, not that you would even want to, you're going to be looking around for a way out. Mm-hmm. So the scene that they're wanting to build up to is you look at the mirror and you see in the reflection light appear as the door opens. Right. So that's what they were trying to set up there, which is also really effective. Right. I think that, the, yeah, the only, it, it's one of those things that's just like, it's a game issue. Like the the things that you do in a game cannot be... The, the timing of things can't be purely prescribed right. because the player has agency. And so they had to come up with something for you to do that's going to take long enough that you're going to be in the bathroom while the door is being pounded on, long enough to, for that to become, like, a scary thing, but not so long that it becomes, like, hilarious. And you're like, why is it that I'm just stuck in this bathroom forever? Yeah, I can't, I can't break the tension. So... It just sets the release point at when the prescribed moment they want to happen happens naturally, mm-hmm. which is you looking at the mirror and seeing the door opens behind you. Yeah. 
it's, it's this is this is the exact kind of thing that makes me think that this game is probably just better off played by yourself. Yeah. Not yeah. that I can resist like watching somebody <laughs> play it when they play it for the first time. Yep. But I feel like a lot of people beg for mercy at this point. Like yeah. they're just like, how do I get out of here? Please just tell me how to yeah. get out of here. I feel like what they could have made it a little clearer mm-hmm. or made it players come to that conclusion a little more naturally if the mirror was less fucked up. Right. Because, like, it's, like, looks like it's been, like, hacked at with a knife. Right. So that you can't see your character's face. Um, but it it goes so far that, like, you can't really see anything in it at all, even at the tops and bottoms, yeah. where it's still okay. So, like, you, you zoom in on the part that's not scratched, and, like, you can barely even tell what you're seeing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also, if they'd make the mirror physically closer to where the fetus is, it would also could have made it gone smoother. Because, I mean, the fetus is positioned in the sink to draw attention to that area, right. presuming you're going to zoom in around it. And if they'd make, if they'd made the zoom in on the fetus like equivalent to triggering the exit while still allowing you to have the mirror moment, then mm. I thought that might have been a way to make the whole thing smoother. Yeah, just like bring the two things geometrically closer together so that you could be looking at the fetus and then out of the corner of your eye see the, see door, the door open. open. Yeah. yeah, that would be good. Uh, also, video games, ladies and gentlemen. If you want, like, we really need to put a place where they could zoom in on the fetus. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's crucial. <laughs> it's a crucial fetus moment. Uh, so then you leave and everything's fine. Yeah, right? everything is super yeah, you, fine you all the way through the, the next loop. Nothing bad happens. Nobody ever quit playing at this point. <laughs> uh, because when you round the corner on the next loop, uh, there is a distended body just, like, stretched fucking nine feet tall. You described it that way before. Mm-hmm. Like, is she elongated? Yes. Oh, I think easily. that she, well, she's either tall see, or she's, f- like, off the yeah, ground. See, my, and the light my interpretation was... That she's in the position that she died in. Like, that she was hung. And she's, like, hanging there off the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looks like that because she's a fucking dead person. But I actually spent a lot of time <laughs> before coming here Cause, like, Googling pictures of Lisa to try okay, and get yeah, cause, like, I didn't know if it was model. a perspective thing. No. She's that fucking tall. Okay. And that's a, I, silent, a very Silent Hill thing. Okay. That is, but also I think that you were also correct because... Uh, I think that that is what it's supposed to invoke. Because yes. Yeah. She yeah. looks like she's hanging. Yeah, her neck by, is, is yeah. to the side. It, like, like her, her arms are, are like dangling. It's and I mean that and is, her toes are not touching the ground, or if they are, they're barely. Barely, touching. yeah. Like yeah, she's like on tiptoes. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. The, the the this image of Lisa is a very sort of Japanese horror. Which in turn makes it very silent. Hill. White dress, black hair. Yeah, it's a ghost uh, mm-hmm. of like a dead former lover. Like this is such like a classic Japanese. Frankly, I think calling it a ghost without the additional context of Japanese horror ghost mm-hmm. isn't even really fair because, like, ghosts have become exposed to such a point in culture. That there are not yes, anything that I think is associated with horror imagery like that much anymore. Like you can have go- you can have ghosts. I think in most genres, whether in like a jokey sense or non-jokey sense, and it will mm. still be accepted. Like Lisa does not look ephemeral. 
Lisa looks real. Yeah. Very, very real. And right there. Right in front of you. About ten feet away in the place you know you need to go. Right. Also, didn't know until you played the game that uh, she will stay there as long as you don't, like, cross a certain threshold. Yep. Because <laughs> you stood there and she was just in frame for a while. Yep. And almost everyone else that I've seen play before stopping will, like, amble forward a little bit and then, like, uh, and, like, maybe back up. But at that point, the lights have already cut and she's not there. No. So You've got to make yeah. the choice to step towards her for the game to progress. Yeah. And that was the choice I didn't make on my first playthrough. <laughs> I instead stopped playing the video game. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, to be fair, the game you were playing at the time was JJ's Staring at Doors Simulator 2015. <laughs> Yeah, it was hysterical, like, how afraid J.J. was of the game. To be fair, you and Dan were also not having the greatest time. Well, but it wasn't quite the same as J.J. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think the distinction is fair. Like, for yeah. me, like, it was like, okay, I need a breather for a second. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Dan may have covered his face at one Well, point. yeah, Dan, Dan's a big... I was the one playing. Right. Dan's a little bit more of a... Scaredy cat than me. Mm-hmm. But at least when it comes to horror games. Yeah. On the record. But <laughs> he'd probably admit to that. Yeah. You, when going through this game, needed the rest to continue. Yes. I needed to decide whether I was going to continue. <laughs> and that was the difference in both the pacing that we went through the game and my experience. Yeah. Like, it took me like probably, I think, longer than the average person to go through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're the one who always fights back when I say the game only takes, like, 45 minutes to an hour to complete. Yeah, I, I, I think that's if you know what you're doing. It's, yeah. like, under an hour. But if you don't, it's probably more like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this the, yeah th- this moment with Lisa does seem to be, like, a, a pretty strong breaking point for a lot of people. Like, this is the first moment where, like, I don't understand that necessarily from like a logical perspective because like a few loops ago you saw like a thing shut a door like that was clearly alive and like the fetus is way more horrible to me in terms of like actually being like She's, disturbing. She presents more of an active threat to you. Yup. Like because it's all been building up to something and then that's the release. I guess. I like my interpretation of it and this is true of like all horror games is that I always feel as though there's an active threat like because like you're just assuming something supernatural well yeah you can die at any no, time like but. exactly you feel like there's one the whole time and then the game presents you with it right. yeah it that just time it, right. comes it just now. it just smacks you in the face with it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like holy fucking balls it's so great that they do this before any of the later jump scares because it, it it's accurate to say that this isn't a jump scare, right? right? It's just a no, stationary because thing. yeah, because yeah. it's just there, and you walk around the corner. Yeah, it's entirely yeah. dictated by your. It does not pop into the frame that's already there and make a noise, like most right. mechanical interactions in PT. In fact, they warn you about it in with sound design because uh, you can hear the like labored breathing of Lisa <laughs> through your controller speaker. Because fuck you if you thought you were safe in your real world with your plastic controller. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like you can hear that like the it's I don't know if it's like just breathing with only like one non-punctured lung or if it's like uh, punctured lung breathing or punctured lung or if it's she's crying or 
laughing. It's something. It's yeah. It's not, almost as if her esophagus got crushed by a noose. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just this horrible noise that just repeats through both the game screen and your controller just to really ruin your day. Yeah. And, uh... So you're aware that there's something different going on. The clock reads midnight at that point. Uh, but Yeah, but, like, it's just enough time that, like, once you've reached the end of the hallway, you haven't reasoned through those thoughts yet. Right, you're just like... And it's just like, boom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, my God. And actually, at this point is where the game gets a little bit more... Uh, Abstract? I was going to say, like, murky in my memory. Like, I don't... Oh exactly remember but it gets more kojima e at this point yeah and just yeah it's, it's just like murkier. right here right there they had that little climax and then things reset yeah basically and then things build up mm-hmm. again because your next loop through is basically the same um there's like like the same as the original ones like there's nothing necessarily bad happening um and so, I, I'm not 100% sure if this comes before or after the gouge it out, but there's, like, a scene where you burn a hole in a picture of Lisa um, with the X button. <laughs> uh, which a lot of people, for some reason, look at that and they're like, I don't understand. Like, it's a blue X. I've seen a lot of people struggle with that. That's before. weird. It is a little weird. Because, like, you look at it and you don't get it right away. Right. But, like... That's something, like, it's, yeah, clearly a blue X. Yeah. Like, I guess if you're not as familiar with PlayStation, you mm. might not make that connection. Yeah, it's just one of those things, it's a very Kojima connection that needs to be understood out of the context of the thing that you're playing. Yeah. Like, you need to think about a controller to understand. Yeah, because I think, like, JJ got it quicker than I did, but, like, not too much. Yeah. Like, we love this thing, generally. This is probably the worst element of it. Sure. Yeah. Which is not a huge complaint, but, like... They probably shouldn't have gone this far for something that is required to progress. Yeah. Yeah. Addressing the existence of the controller in like a like a main path thing is mm-hmm. I think they could have either pushed off till later than this point or Yeah, because I mean like things. they do things like the there's a piece of the picture that's hidden in the pause menu. Yeah. Uh and that's fine because it isn't main path. Like you never have to do that. Yep. Um but it is there. This just seems sort of out of place. But either way, that happens either before or after the next part, uh, which is the guy on the radio begins to address you directly. Um, Because originally he was telling... He comes in and says some things, and then... It's like the normal spiel. Yeah, and then at some point during the normal spiel, he says, don't touch that dial now, we're just getting started. Yeah. Maybe my favorite line in the game. But, uh, yeah, he would tell he would break into the news report and he would tell a story about how, like, oh, like, they wouldn't have hired you if you didn't look good in the skirt. And, like, this whole, like, it's like a very angry speech given to somebody who is presumably dead. Yeah. So, I guess because we don't have any additional context, we can't really know what that is. Yep. But it's, it's this guy, and then he starts talking to you. And he says, look behind you. He wants you to look behind you. And you're like, I don't want to do that at all because you told me to do it and you're nothing but trouble, radio guy. <laughs> yeah, like, I found that especially effective because it took me a second to realize what was going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why the re- reiteration is so important, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't I, I forget the exact line, but doesn't he also go, like, you, look behind uh-huh. you. Yeah. 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 
He, he, yeah, he emphasizes it more clearly the second time. Yeah, because the first time it is just sort of like a thing that comes in as the rest of his speech was. Yeah. And, like, this is where he'll start, like, the radio will start just reading numbers out. Which, numbers are just inherently creepy, I think. <laughs> like, when, when there's no context to them, if, like, someone just started saying a list of numbers, mm-hmm. it's just not a comforting yeah, thing. Yeah, I feel like... That's got to have roots in some kind of, like, movie or something. Yep. That's, like, almost like a trope. Yeah. Like, that was a thing on Lost. Like, they found that, like, radio tower, and there was oh, just yeah. the string of numbers. Four, eight, 16. Yeah. Oh, man. I actually used to know that string of numbers. Yeah, but, like, that's become, like, a thing, and it's just, like, unsettling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's the whole, like, numbers station thing. Yeah. That, that's probably where it comes from. Yeah, yep. like, the radio stations that just broadcast numbers. Yep. Which is creepy. Like, I'm getting chills thinking about how creepy that is. Yep. And then, bah! You get fucking murdered. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> then... <laughs> when you turn around. Yes, yeah, so when yeah. you do look behind you, Lisa kills you. Which you have to do. Because mm-hmm. the door's locked in front of you. And you can only move forward for so long. Uh, and then, jump scare. My favorite playthrough that I think I saw of this was... Um, I had a friend playing it, and he locked in the door... And then turned around and looked at the door, which he had never done before, and died right there. Like he just didn't—he didn't even take a step into the hallway. He walked through the door, and then was just like, and died. Like I don't know. I have no idea why he did it, but it was hilarious to me. Yep. He must have just had that thought. Like I've never turned around and look looked at, the at door this door yeah. once I went through it, and then. You respawn, right. and you're back in the initial zone that you haven't been which since is, you barely started the game. Which is basically like a dark basement room. Right. It's not actually down any stairs. Wait, it seems as though it, it has to be like some kind of extra dimensional like mm-hmm. room, because it's just a blank room with a single light and a table, and there's there are tally marks all over the walls. Yeah, but there are walls. It's not mm-hmm. just like... In abyssal space. <laughs> right. And the progression here is really important. Because, like, the first time I saw this, I'm like... And I think it's reasonable to presuppose, like, oh, this is the reset point. Like, I lost the game. Huge quotes. Right. I have to try and keep playing. But then you realize, if you're really perceptive, that you didn't see the cockroach. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, if you're less perceptive, that you still have the flashlight. Right. Uh, I regret to mention that you pick up the flashlight the first time you go in the bathroom. Yeah. The bathroom's the only place in the game that's just, like, pitch dark. Yes. Yeah. With the exception of this place. And it was a, you getting the flashlight was a good excuse to them turning to lower the lights a little bit more for tone and setting stuff. Mm-hmm. So you realize you have the flashlight, and you're back in this room. So the game is not reset. You're still fucking stuck here. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you were out, but they pulled you right back in. Yeah. And it, ge- it then gives the player the opportunity, and one of the few, I think, like really sort of like divergent choice moments in terms of what you do when in this game, you either don't take all the hints and just keep going forward, or you can use the flashlight that you have to investigate the new room that you couldn't investigate before because it was too dark everywhere that wasn't straight at the door. Right. And you find the meat bag. (laughs) The meat bag? I mean, do we know anything else about the bag? No, we don't know that it has meat in it either. I guess. It could, it, it could it, just have blood in it. It is bloody. As someone who's yeah. held paper bags bag. filled with bloody meat, uh, yeah. it's, it bleeds like that. Okay, so there's a blood bag on the table. It's not a blood bag, it's a paper bag. It's a paper bag with We're blood not like amateur phlebotomists okay. over here. It is a paper bag with blood soaked through it. Yeah. Yep. I always assumed it was a severed head. That's just me. Me too. Okay. 
But, um, and then it starts to talk to you. Right. Yeah. And, like, and on this most <laughs> recent, on this most recent playthrough, when JJ was playing it yesterday, if you see in The Force Awakens, it sounds kind of like Kylo Ren with the mascot. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it gives you that spiel from the beginning, from the text. Right. Yep. Where it's like, can you be sure the only you is you? I don't remember the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can look it up. Horrible, he was understandable walking until he saw things. himself walking. Yes. And then presumably he did something about it, which is why he's now in a bag, and says that I'm sure the only me is me. Do you know yeah, that the, the only, only you is you? So very cryptic and intriguing mm-hmm. little speech. And that's all you get. And then you get to start it again. You go back into the hallway. Mm-hmm. <sighs> At this point, like, it just becomes... It, because it's so routine to pass the hallway, yeah. the rest of this game is a series of, like... Because you go through... At this point, you can just walk, and it doesn't ever lock you out. Um, but the challenge here is to just, like, start finding things that are different. There's a puzzle where you have to walk letters from one wall to the other wall, and then it'll unlock a door, and you go through there. Yeah, so basically they're relying on the fact that you've gotten this far already... And, like, your curiosity about what's different in the environment to propel you forward. Right. Because you can keep going in the loop and never advancing. Right, yeah. If you don't do anything in the hallway. So you have to trigger the right things to advance. By looking around and understanding your environment. And if I'm correct, isn't this also the point where Lisa starts beginning to appear just around? Yeah, it's uh, the what the fans of this game have dubbed hauntings. Anytime the clock hits midnight, which it will chime if you're in the hallway long enough, or occasionally you'll just walk in and it will be midnight. Um, and at that point, Lisa can spawn in a few different areas, and in two of those areas, she can kill you. Yeah. So, this game has a meaningful fail state for the first time, but it's barely meaningful because you just start back over in the in the bag room. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty much just a game. Like, we can't, like explain each loop individually at this right, point right. because it, it just repeats and it just does things and it's more of this but not too long after that you walk through the door and all of a sudden you're going at fucking Mach 10 <laughs> you're just running around in, in, in the, the, the house the eye hallway yeah the, the continuous eye hallway all of the pictures on the walls are now replaced with eyes that are spinning and everything's yeah. red and the Which, hallway is just connected sequences of the hallway now. I yeah. think maybe that's supposed to be a clue. To look where to, the... Yeah, yeah that yep. the pictures are eyeballs. It definitely is, because uh, I learned, looking stuff up before the cast, uh, you can actually find the little hole that you look through uh, in order to solve that puzzle into the bathroom. And if you look through it before you're, you're, you're triggering the success, you can see an eye in uh. that. Yep. So, yes, it was both a clue and a horrible thing uh, that just makes you feel horrible because you're moving at 100 miles an hour and panic is starting to take through. When you were doing it, you couldn't, you were having trouble figuring it out. Yes. I think everyone has trouble figuring it out. And then I said, I think what happened to JJ is what happened to me, and I never explained that. Yeah. Which is, I don't think you noticed the hole in the bathroom wall. Oh, no, of course not. Yeah, like, it was there the whole game. And, like, you you just didn't notice it. And like, when I was going through the game, like, I tried to be really mindful of my surroundings and really, like, 
look at everything yep. and somehow missed that huge hole in the bathroom wall. <laughs> like, I thought I had looked at that wall and didn't notice it. It's just the bathroom is another step because you're exposed to it a whole lot less than a lot of the other ambient hallway features. Right. So it's sort of like another... You have to be even more observant to look in, take in every feature of the bathroom, especially since the first time you're in the bathroom is a panic scenario. Right. But, like, I think it tries to lead you towards it because... The hallway is, like, all discolored and red and whatever colors. Yeah. But, like, the bathroom is just, like, regular. Yeah, it's, like, Once white you go inside good. of it. So I think that's supposed to be a hint that, like, that something about the bathroom. And then the hole in the wall is the only thing you really haven't explored yet. Yeah. Right. I think the hints for that sequence, even though it's very difficult comparatively, is, is suitable. Because I think... It being that hard is part of the point of that specific hallway. Yeah. You're supposed to be sprinting through forever, feeling trapped and lost and alone. And like this, you finally reach the point where escape is literally impossible and you're just going insane. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with, in like my playthrough, for example, running through the hallway a dozen times, not knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't also address like the crazy meat fridge. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, the fridge. Yeah, there's a fridge that hangs from the ceiling. I just, I don't know. I don't know how much value there is necessarily. In just I know. Like, we can tell the story. It's the first it. setup <laughs> is the one that's really important. And as we already discussed, we've reached the point now where uh, you are given free reign to explore and look around, and you may find the correct clues, or you might find Lisa. And that's the rest of it outside of the, like, secret stuff that reveals its status as a Silent Hills trailer. Right, right. So, fun story about the fridge. First time I was playing this game, like I said, I had been trying to, like, really look at the environment. So, like, literally every time I went through, I, like, looked at everything. Right. And, like, I got to the end of the hall, like, that first stretch. And I I was, like, I had been noticing all the beer cans on the ground. And at that moment just decided to make a joke. Like, a dumb joke, not even a funny... This is a comment on it. Uh, an unfunny, unfunny joke. An unfunny know. joke. One of so those a, things people do that's horrible and yes, they don't know. An it. unfunny joke, so you know, like a comment. Um, <laughs> so I was like, man, like, there's so many beer cans around. Like, where the hell is this guy's fridge at? And then I turned the corner and walked down, and it is the loop where the fridge is swinging from the ceiling where the light usually is and it's dripping blood and may or may not have a body in it yeah <laughs> and it's moving and shaking and it's making and... noise and being uncomfortable yeah. yeah there's like a lot of like screaming coming from it I, I don't remember the news broadcast well enough to know if that's like something that is stated but i think it actually might be i don't remember either i th honestly of all the things that are scary i think the fridge is among the lower end it's very jarring because it's unexpected, and it's also very memorable. Yeah, yeah. but it's it just it's not really built up to or part of a chain in the same way that a lot of the things chain together. Yeah, it's just a well thing that you don't expect to be hanging from a ceiling. Yeah, especially like if you were and, checking the ceiling before for like oh maybe somebody's gonna lean over the rafters, and then a fridge is there. It's like the biggest like, hey fuck you guy. I think it's just another one of those like playing with your expectations. Like the light has been there. And now it's replaced with something unexpected. Right. So, basically, after we finished that, yeah. uh, you can walk through the house a couple of more times, but uh, all that's going to happen is that you'll start getting this graphical tearing, which looks, like, really clean. This is another great, like, graphical effect that they did. But, uh, and then it 
the game will like quote unquote crash, um, and it brings up one of a selection of like I think there's like six or seven error screens that can come up that typically have like a lot of different languages on them. Yeah, and then uh, when you boot the game up again, you can just do loops and. There's nothing different, and this is where all of the Kojima stuff starts to come in. The most Kojima stuff. Yeah. And I don't really think that it is important or relevant, really, to explain this, other than you have to do a sequence of, like, ranging from mundane and asinine to extremely specific actions in order to trigger a phone to ring. I agree. I'm glad, in fact, that you brought that up. I, Because this, what we're doing now, is the metagame. Right. I don't think it's appropriate to lump that in. The till, teaser metagame. Yeah. Like, this is post-game content. Yeah. <laughs> we, what we're trying to address on this cast isn't the secret reveal of Silent Hills. It's P.T., the greatest demo ever made in right. the history of mankind. As a standalone. Yeah. Right. And that's why I think, well, I guess there's two reasons why we went through piece by piece in this case. First, because not everyone gets the experience of playing this game, unfortunately, and you might only have watched a video and don't forget a lot of the things, so it's important to point it out. And second, like we referenced earlier, because this is like a master class in horror design. Yeah. It's unbelievably good. It's good enough that we can point to every feature and look at how it relates to every other feature. And it very rarely falls short when you do that. Yeah. yeah. Like, everything that we even complained about, in my mind, was like, that was good, and it could have been better. Right. Like, that's the floor of, right. of PT, this game demo. Is having to press X occasionally. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. actually like that part, but... Yeah. I mean, it's fine, especially if you're somebody who is seasoned at games. Yeah. Because it doesn't really well, jar you I because do you're used kind to of have kind a, of a thing. Like, just like a total separate thing, kind of have a boner for the PlayStation controller, but... That's true, yeah. yeah. That you do that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, like you said, you kind of liked it. I think we did, too. There yeah. are people who yeah, complain yeah. about it, but, like, our point is that we kind of liked it. And right. it didn't get any worse than we kind of liked it. Right. right. It's it's just, I don't know, it's one of those, if, if you are interested in the, like, nonsense, because it is interesting in the way that, like, the Sombra ARG, or, like, a Valve ARG is interesting, yeah. in that, like, th- seeing the steps that were, like, done in order to get to the solution is, like, a cool thing that you don't believe people could actually do, but they did, mm-hmm. um, you can find on YouTube uh, like a, there's a 20 minute video that explains it if I remember I will link it in the show notes um, it's literally just like a ludicrous cipher and I, it has been stated that uh, Hideo Kojima didn't expect people to finish it for three months and they finished it in just under two days Yeah. so uh, they didn't perfectly solve it that came much later but they found enough of a workaround because of a speech recognition thing. Yep. Some people for a long time thought that the trigger for the second thing was playing a video of Hideo Kojima himself saying, <laughs> did you like it, into the microphone, which happened to work, <laughs> but for a totally unrelated reason. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Good times. A yeah. plus. But yeah, so I think PT... Is 
going to, it has been and will continue to be an inspiration to horror games in the future. We've already had Allison Road be pitched, canceled, kickstarted, and restarted, <laughs> and is currently being worked on, but who knows if it'll actually go through this time. Yeah, of course. It's but it's like almost is, exactly the same. Is that the game concept. with the really tiny hallway for no reason? Oh, yeah. It, it has a really tiny hallway. Yeah, it's like yeah. the roof is too small. It's too it's too it's small too this narrow. way. It's yeah. too yeah. narrow, yes. Yeah. Uh, so you've got that influenced, and obviously, like I referenced at the beginning, even though it wasn't initially designed, taking it into account, the Resident Evil 7 is now living in a world where this like exactly. nearly perfect horror game yeah. has been born. And it's like, you can't expect that Silent Hills would have been... You couldn't. You can't even ex- expect it to have been anything like PT. Yeah. You only could expect it to have the same sensibility. And starring it's, Norman Reedus. Starring Norman Reedus. <laughs> and they did release that second, like, or first, whatever, like, little trailer thing. Yeah. That showed first person in a completely different building with different shit happening. Yeah, I remember seeing that too. Yeah. That one, and that's really good. That yeah, it looks. Fucking incredible! Yeah, yeah, I wish that I could have played that as yeah, well. Yeah, they should have released that as another playable demo. Yeah, but uh, yeah, th- and that's like that's the interesting thing. We don't know because yeah, like what the game would have been like. Yeah, because that was shown the next year, and was fucking off the wall. The guy like goes to pick up a ball and it turns into a head and fucking spiders come out of its mouth and a yeah. giant arm is it's fucking bonkers. But then the the actual Silent Hills trailer that's attached to PT has Norman Reedus with a gun walking down a street. Yeah. And it's like, that is Silent Hill. Like, that is what you associate with Silent Hill. Yeah. But it's not PT. Right. But the second trailer was, and I don't... Yeah. It's it's fair. The response to that was probably a lot better than even they expected. Oh, yeah. Uh, Even though you know, putting that out if nothing from the graphical stance alone, you're gonna be fucking confident about that. Yeah, you know when you yeah. produce the secretly best-looking hallway in human history and throw it out without telling anyone about it, mm-hmm. there's some smugness that's gonna go on in yeah. your head there. There's some people who are yeah. definitely on the cover of Virtual Hallway Monthly. My point is that within the year post PT, where Silent Hills still is going to be a thing. They probably moved elements of their design for as long as they were designing toward PT. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. unfortunately we can only speculate and after all the Konami horse shit, we'll never really know any of the specific facts. Yeah. Not that frankly, I regret it that much. We got PT and that's enough for me. <laughs> I'm really sad that we'll never get Silent Hills. No. I mean, I don't know. There's this is there's a a certain beauty to what yeah. PT is now. But like where it I, stands alone and it's like doesn't get watered down by the existence of the thing that it's supposed yeah. to represent. Yeah. But I also can never purchase it. Right and own it. Yeah, yeah. that sucks. Somebody should emulate this like immediately. <laughs> get on that happening. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. The internet is trying. Yeah. So Take agency away from your players in your horror games. Yeah. You don't need an equipment screen to be terrifying. Yeah, like... You just need to walk and look. I guess something that I was thinking yesterday, because JJ doesn't own a PlayStation 4, so he had to play both of these yesterday here at Chad's, 
And watching them both be played, we watched Resident Evil 7 first, and then P.T. It really just made me appreciate P.T. even more. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> Resident Evil 7 is good. Um, but, and when it came out, it kind of felt like it filled a void that, like, no Silent Hills left. Right. You know, like, yeah. oh, now we're getting Resident Evil 7, though. Yeah, it's, and li- it's, it's kinda, a lot like it's it. It's scratching a similar itch, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's the way I'd been thinking about it. But then we rewatched P.T., which I haven't played in, like, a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, God damn it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. Like, it's... Because uh, I was thinking that, like, Resident Evil 7 was, like, of, like, a similar quality. Like, not quite as good, but, like... Yeah, Close. comparable. Yeah, comparable, yeah. but then... No. Uh, nope. No. Nope. <laughs> it's just a first-person sort of, like, yeah. slasher movie simulator yeah, trying just... to replace, like, the best... PT, yeah, it's so... Psychological horror simulation. Yes. Yeah. It's so atmospheric. It's so great at building tension. It's so... It's near perfect, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I mean, as far as... As, as, as far as you can get... PT basically is perfect. Just from it, like from the, the the outset of like creating a horror game, a lot of the things that are wrong with horror games are solved because of the format the game is in. Yeah, like because it is like a short demo, it gives you that like it gives you exactly what you want from it. Yeah. If that was for some reason four hours instead of an hour, and you just were in the same hallway, it would get sickeningly dumb. Yeah, and it, it's just like what they did was just enough engagement to make it work. Yeah, like from everything we know about game design and what what why horror works and is effective, it's basically like a perfect execution. Yeah, I cannot wait for I don't know twenty, fifty, whatever number of years in the future it'll be when all of the legal nonsense related to discussing this no longer becomes relevant or actionable. And we get, like, the interviews about the creation of this product. Right. Like, many, many decades after its existence. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, honestly, the the, the biggest thing with, with PT is that I just feel like it's a lesson, and it's a lesson that I hope people aspiring to make new horror games take into account. Yeah. It's just something that needs, it needs to be recognized. Yes. Like, this game is so good that like when it got cancelled I like didn't believe that it would stay cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought like no way it was way too well received like they'll make it happen. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. And it, and it really is just Konami too. Yep. Like it wasn't wasn't the creative team wasn't the development team. Konami handled business so poorly that they just cannot make the game. And in 20 years, once we figure out what happens to Konami, exactly. we'll have they'll, that as they'll context just as well. be sitting there making their video poker machines. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid. Pachinko. 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 Whatever. <laughs> and they won't care. They'll be on a mountain of money. Yep. And they won't give one fuck. And they won't be able to hear us screaming from the bottom of the pile. Yeah. Nope. But they'll have to no, know. We'll be really rich and successful from our podcast. Right. So, like, we'll be it. We'll be a little bit closer yeah, to them. we'll be a little right. bit closer. I don't... No, you make it sound like that's a bad ending. I think when, like, the last Konami executive is, like, on his deathbed, made out of piles of coins, 
<laughs> I think there'll be a little voice in him, that him or her, I guess, probably him, considering it's Japan, that will be speaking in the back of his mind. On like he'll have his little rosebud moment where he'll realize that instead of all those coins, could have made the greatest piece of horror technology. <laughs> Ever. He'll be sad. And, and then in he, the horror movie version of this, it like pans out. And he's actually in a refrigerator, swinging from the rafters. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to NoClip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, uh, we're talking about my favorite game of all time. Ooh. And uh, now officially pushing our number of Resident Evil titles talked about into over-representation categories. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil 4. On the Nintendo Game yes, This is the apology cast. Yeah. We yeah, are going last to the last time. <laughs> <laughs> We're filling the gap here. We're going to finally address the middle phase of Resident Evil. Yeah, we've talked about the adventure game first phase of Resident Evil games, yeah. and now this. And now we're finally going to take Resident Evil 4 by the balls and really show it. I'm kidding. Well I love this suck. game, and I'm just gabbing this game. <laughs> All right, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can do so. NoClipPodcast.com, uh, NoClipPodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at NoClipPodcast. Please leave a rating or review on iTunes and tell your friends if you liked us. Um, oh, yeah, we also have a YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, we got that too. Uh, no clip. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be just like this podcast, except there will be one video there that is not available on audio. Oops. <laughs> Turn around.